podcast where we watch one minute of Predator at a time and then talk about it until there is nothing left to say. I am Cliff <laughs> from PredatorMinute.com. And I'm Aaron, also from PredatorMinute.com. And we will be discussing Minute 30. It is Friday. We are on the round number. Mm -hmm. So we'll be discussing Minute 30 of Predator. And this will be the last day of our guests. And we want to thank our guest, Dr. John Ambrosio. Who has given us valuable insights into the duggedness of (laughs) Alabama ticks. Mm -hmm. The urethra crawling of certain Central American catfish. The use of water and the role of vegetation in invasive species in and the changing environment. That's right, and yeah. more than anything else, a new way of looking at the movie Predator as a metaphor or an analogy for how invasive species in a ecology take over and yeah, can really have... Yeah, really an indictment on mm-hmm. how man's activities brings about these invasive species. This is an anti-cane toad movie, I've decided. <laughs> and I said, actually, in the, the Predator room, is a glorified t- cane toad. Well, I said it was a cane toad, and you yeah. said it looked more like a the larva stage of a... Of a spiny lobster, phylosoma. Oh, yeah, okay. Maybe maybe the predator planet is just nothing but spiny lobster larvae. What if this is like an Adam and Eve thing, and that's Ooh. really the predecessor of the spiny lobster? Then the predator suspect. Have to give up a rib. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For that knowledge of being a bottom dweller. Yes. So minute thirty begins with Dylan exclaiming "Goddamn jackpot!" over and over again, yeah. and it ends. With well, actually, it begins with a nice dip lip shot of Blaine right after the explosion. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there's still some the, more uh, of the right. There's still some more of the dirt raining it's down on them. The dimple in his yeah, chin. he's probably got some dirt in there. I can't imagine that's going to be so great no, it looks anymore. So clean. No, it looks. I, so clean. I just mean like his, in his <laughs> mouth, even though he's got oh, his. Well, he's got dip in there. That's practically. Dirt <laughs> oh. Okay. So there goes our dip sponsorship. <laughs> and it ends with Dutch exclaiming that they've all been dropped into the enemy grinder. Oh, the meat grinder. So the meat grinder. I, yeah. When I was a child, I thought you dropped the six of us in enemy grinder, is what he had said. <laughs> enemy grinder. Right, is, is correct. Uh, so this is... This, this, this is the minute that where... where uh, um, uh, Predator becomes a Woody Allen flick. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> this is <laughs> exposition minute. This is basically Dylan explaining the plot of the movie Predator to Dutch. Yes, <laughs> really selling it here. Yeah, the only thing that would have been different is it. we did that, and then an alien hunted you. Thank you for watching Predator. <laughs> would have been yeah, the only different. Uh, some things that Good you lack of use of definitive yeah. and definitive. So. Basically, there's some explanation. Before we get to that, uh, I want to bring up a couple things you might not notice unless you watch it minute by minute. Right. My favorite bit is that this entire time, Anna's sleeping on the ground. Yeah, with <laughs> she, a gun. Oh, yeah, a gun right gun, gun, gun away. So She's laying there, looks as comfortable as can be on yeah. her side, shifts in position, not on camera, but one of those things you can just notice shot to shot. She's generally laying on her right side with her right arm bent. Even though occasionally it's straight out or left arm has changed. No right. offense to the actor. There's no way that no, they yeah. had someone just to position her. But it's just hilarious that you only see it sort of in the corners of the shots. She's clearly there as these men are having their little hissy fits at each other. Yeah. 
<laughs> she must be like probably pretending to sleep. Oh my god, wake me when this drama is over. Well, I think I think Dutch must have been fairly confident in his ability to like, knock her out for more than a minute. At yeah. least <laughs> he knows exactly. Speaking yeah. of biology, he knows apparently exactly how much force to give to bounce the brain against the skull, forcing Create a concussion, concussion and yeah. how long that'll last. Right. I think it's something like thirty-seven pounds per square inch. Thirty-seven pounds, and does that cause bleeding in the brain a little bit? Yeah, I think that bleeding like or edema would probably last longer. So okay. he's just got this perfect precision. Yeah, I think it's from all that, you know, resistance training. Surgical right. butt stroke. Surgical butt stroke. <laughs> it's a different movie altogether. We can't talk about that one. Number sixteen is the great one. Um, yeah, very exposition heavy minute. In this minute, in its entirety, what we find out is that basically Dutch has figured out that Dylan has sold him a bill of goods has you know as he mentioned dropped the six of us which is an interesting phrase the six of us into the meat grinder because as we know there's seven he's clearly counting his six men yeah not Dylan is not a part of them yeah he's he's the other yeah he's the other at this point he apparently Dylan is not in the meat grinder he's Uh, the one cranking the handle in this metaphorical meat grinder but he was just there to get his men as we found out he yeah gets to it. yeah it's it's interesting so there's we've been very complimentary of arnold schwarzenegger's nonverbal acting i think he doesn't do as well as carl weathers in this scene in my estimation yeah. i'm not an actor i'm not a paid actor mr horse i but i there's a lot of things i do at least have a psychology background and I've also seen more than one movie, so I understand a little bit about what's going on. The, we this freeze, the only movie, that's, that's, Well, good choice. <laughs> we freeze-framed it a number of times while watching it, and Schwarzenegger seems to be almost happy with Carl Weathers or with Dutch in the scenes. He's almost smiling. It looks like he's about to crack up. He's doing a pretty good job. He misses some cues, whereas Carl Weathers really is visibly upset and is reacting. Yeah. His tone of voice changes. His eyes shift from left to right the way you do when someone's talking to you. It's just a natural human reaction where Schwarzenegger is staring straight forward, which and is very... That's just not human. That's not how we look at each other directly in the face. Right. And, and well, But this is also the first time Carl Weathers' character, uh, Dylan, is actually being sincere and honest. Yeah, good you point. And, it, and we see a human side of it, too. He's When he's accused of going after these men and you know talking about hopper mm-hmm. he starts shouting back even though he's clearly scared because at this point he's been pinned to the wall just by dutch's left hand yes there's even a great scene if you watch this again note that as he's being held against the wall with his left hand the character well both the character and the actor look down and see that it's just Dutch's left hand that's holding him there, and he's like, oh, man. <laughs> just, just this guy's left arm is pinning me against the wall. And uh, But he gets upset. You know, He said, those are my men in the chopper. So knowing now that he's CIA, yeah. you know, those were CIA men that were in the chopper that was <coughs> shut down. Hopper's orders were to go in and get my men. And then there's a very strange exchange where he's, you know, where Dutch says, and then he, or where... Dylan says, and he disappeared. And Dutch says, he didn't disappear, he was skinned alive. Like, those are not, those are not opposite 
outcomes. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. That is what. Ha- that's why he disappeared. I mean, they they both <laughs> have their own. Definitely not mutually exclusive, right? But Thank we you. but we learn. I mean, uh, 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 Dylan makes some good arguments here. First of all, <laughs> he he brings he brings to to Dutch's attention that they just basically averted a an invasion. Mm-hmm. That was. That was the uh, uh, guerrillas and the Russians setting up to invade. Across the border, yeah. yeah. Across the border. They would have had this stuff there within three days, uh, according to Dylan. Uh, That stuff being all these weapons and things it looks like they had. Which I guess he was seeing from his papers that he kept picking up and going, jackpot. Yeah. It's another funny scene where every single paper he He picks up, he's like, jackpot. He was having like a... uh, Maybe an actuarial orgasm. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was me in the ball pit Damn. in Chuck E. Cheese oh. in 1988 was the amount of fun that he was having picking up random papers. Yeah. At one point, it's it's actually a little orgasmic and it's visual representation. There's a pile of papers. He grabs it and flips it up in the air and they explode. Oh. And he's just like, he's so I'm excited. In the but it's like, what does each individual paper say? How can every single one of them be amazing? You know, we're like, there's one paper. I and he gives seconds of reading. Yeah, that, seconds yeah. of reading. Like, each paper just said, invasion from Russia. And he's like, jackpot, flips it away, These picks up the next one. Russian military yeah. advisor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> jackpot. Next paper. We're across the border in three days. Goddamn jackpot. Flips it over. Like, we how- make war three days. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn jackpot. Flips it. And then, my absolute favorite, and this has been something that I've kept with me in my heart. Whenever there's a dark time, it brings me joy. Is when Dutch is trying to, I don't know, get the drop on Dylan. He has a random piece of paper yes. with him. And there's a scene of Dylan, or I'm sorry, of Dutch staring pensively out through the bamboo wall that's been shot out. Just like this look of like, fucking guy, you know what I mean? Fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he walks over out of frame, out of focus, because the uh, focus is on Dylan kneeling on the ground. And he goes, maybe this is what you're looking for. And the scene of Dylan taking the paper and looking at it, like quizzically, like, oh, maybe this is what I'm looking for, before Dutch uses that as an excuse to grab and shove against the wall, which he didn't need to do. Dylan's paying no attention to him. He's mumbling jackpot, and, yeah. you know, this is what we are looking for, and, like, he's paying. He's Actually, not even that's what the papers said. <laughs> jackpot. <laughs> jackpot. <laughs> it's like that naked gun scene where it opens up. Bingo. <laughs> Each book card is jackpot, jackpot. And it says, this is what you're, this is just what I'm looking for. <laughs> oh, that's so, interesting that would say that. <laughs> <laughs> He's just amazed. He picks it, he picks him up and slams him against the wall. He didn't do that. But it just, the scene right before it, like literally not even a quarter of a second of just Dylan being like, oh, as we thought, my oh, buddy Dutch brought me this sweet paper that's like, oh, this is even better. You're right. This is like their train tables. This is even better. Like, it's like, and so he slams him against the wall. He gives him a big speech. And yeah, Dylan, you know, you start to see where Dylan was coming from. But to me, again, he could have just told him. Yeah. Like, hey, listen, here's what's going on. They have to take their orders either way. And he goes, you were pissing about the cover story. I knew we couldn't get it without it. But, yeah, you can. Maybe this lends some credence to them being not exactly within the chain of command. But the problem with that is they were reporting <laughs> to a colonel. They said, we all have our orders, Major. Or uh, a general. General, yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah. He, yeah, three stars, right? It's just it's silly to just say, hey, look. We need you to go in and take this down. Again, it makes zero sense. And agreed, the political climate at the time, we were doing a lot of clandestine affairs. Mm-hmm. We had just come through in real life. Sorry, this isn't all part of the Predator universe. 
the Iran Contra thing, but it did mean that a lot of us, or actually the two of us, really, Russia and the U.S. This is for our younger listeners. We're doing these proxy battles in the wake of Vietnam, and to a certain extent, even Vietnam was a proxy battle that got out of hand. And we didn't necessarily want to show our hands anywhere. We let, right. oh, it's about Cuba, when really it was about Russia, you know, and other things like that. And that was what was happening. We were seeing the spread of communism in Central America, and we were saying, well, we'll supply one side with advisors and equipment, and the other side will do that, and we'll see who wins that. So I get that you don't want to show your hand too much by dropping a giant military unit in. Right. But holy fuck, you can bring in three helicopters of dudes who know what's going on and let them just blow the fucking place up. And yeah, then be like, well, whatever. You know, in, in this case, it probably would have just, you know, they could have brought them on board just by saying, look, we're, gonna, we're, we're trying to find this place. We sent some people in to find it. Which is true. Uh, we think they found it, but we think they're being captured. We need to rescue them right. and then see what we can do to, to you know, make this place inoperable so they can't invade. They would have probably gone with it, maybe, but um, still, you know, it, it brings us to this thing. Like in 9-11, there was this big failure of the communication between different branches uh, or different uh, uh, sectors in the executive branch, you know. And the uh, intelligence agencies as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, obviously, there's like a, a propriety on information for each agency. Sure. So yeah, I think this sort of brings that to light, how... They were very, they jealously guarded their information. So. Sure. And yeah, and it well, brings us, go ahead. I think this is also a reinforcement of the theme that you just have to distrust mm-hmm. those yeah. that are in a position of power. Yeah. And you're, you're going to be used. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a serious lack of honesty and Dutch's men don't roll. Like that, I don't think that was an expression we used in the '80s. Maybe I don't remember. They don't but either do way, this type of <laughs> they do this. <laughs> it was a little more glam than the way he said it. Uh, but he is. We did mention that his face makeup, which had actually come up in an earlier week, uh, that it's completely got no functional use, but fashionable. Yeah. Oh my goodness, yes, it's perfectly along his jawline. Yes. He has never looked so handsome. This this may be of some interest if you're someone of our age, or even if you're not, say you're watching this film, or you can just remember what Schwarzenegger looked. Mm-hmm. We looked it up because we were like, this is kind of his peak attractiveness. And plus his ears were really tiny. Seriously. <laughs> and he has a chip front tooth. And he has a chip, a front, chip tooth. front tooth. And a, and, a, and a sparkle on his this, front yeah, tooth. It's just, it just, just, just this was like, <laughs> when I would think of him as being his sort of most attractive, most peak Schwarzenegger, if we will. He was 40 years old. <laughs> 40 years old when he did this. Yes. That's incredible. Yeah, just absolutely incredible. He looks Eight just years. as good as me at 40. Yeah. If not, maybe I'll admit better. I'll admit it. Yeah. I'm not I'm not above admitting Schwarzenegger's a more handsome, virile man than me. But at 40... <laughs> Only I, at the age 40. Only at age 40. No, it, it, <laughs> yeah, now I'm rethinking it when we did which sexual... And now I'm thinking I'm more like a sexual... like What are those little tiny deer-like creatures that they used to eat? The dinosaur, like the first mammals. Oh, That's what I, I'm I, thinking. I'm a sexual whatever that thing. Is <laughs> sexual plankton. <laughs> More paleo, not even paleo. Sort of a sexual uh, Jurassic mammal. I don't. <laughs> yeah. What was it when we first started getting algae on the ground? What era was that in our geologic age? That was the transition of life from water to yeah. terrestrial. This is the yeah. origin of the tetrapods. What 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 era was that? Not uh, like time period. Yeah, like, yeah. Geologically? like Paleolithic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember or, there was Ordovian. 
Maybe there was a sci-fi story. <laughs> I'm getting off track only a little, but just what the hell? It's Friday. There was a really good sci-fi story that was written, I think, in the 70s, possibly even the 60s, wherein they took criminals and would send them back in time. And at that point, you could only go back in time. This okay. is basically life sentences. And they would send them to whatever that era was. And that was also the name of the book. It had that name. And there was enough oxygen, but that was it. And they were given, like, food. But basically, it was just rocks and water. And, you know, they actually found some, you know, algae or moss growing or something. I made them very excited because it was, like, the only living thing. They were trying to put them in a place where they could cause no damage that could ever be seen in the timeline. Oh, okay. The classic yeah. time travel sort of ah, thing. right. So anyway, whatever that paradox. boss was, that's me sexually. I just want to say like, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was a very elaborate. Yeah, yeah, it's important. Once you've already established that you know deep cut sci-fi, it's hard to keep the ladies off you. Yeah? Oh, I know. So know. <laughs> it's important then to bring it back. Uh, so yeah, Schwarzenegger is, just looks amazing. He's 40 years old. Like I said, he his nonverbal acting here wasn't great, uh, but no knock on the man. He's this is a key scene, and Carl Weathers knocks it out of the park. He makes yes. himself sympathetic, as you mentioned. He does obviously feel for his men, and yeah. remember, to his in his mind, to his point of view, the things he's seen is that Hopper is missing. For all he knew, Hopper and his men were there. Yeah. Right? There's no way he could have known about what happened. Yeah, he knew that the helicopter had been shut down. The information he didn't share. He knew all this other stuff with the gorillas, but probably the most reasonable assumption to make with the information he had is that Hopper and his men were also captured by these same gorillas. It's a little odd that he isn't asking him, like, Where, where's Hopper? And, oh, right, because he's already seen him skinned alive. Right, okay. yeah. They didn't disappear there skinned alive. I just still like, uh, okay, yeah, but technically they still disappeared. <laughs> like, yeah. We've lost track of them. That doesn't change the fact. Yeah. He had <laughs> no like, idea there, yeah. Is a, there is a trophy hunting uh, yeah. predator alien that was in the woods as they're going to find out very soon whoa that's right yeah. spoiler that's a little spoiler right yeah there. I know. I, i'm actually i'm actually uh not 100 percent sure when we're gonna see him in the minutes coming up so uh this would normally be where i would segue I, in out of the week to we're, say we're tune about in. to get some we're about to get some uh predator vision i, I think oh yeah i like some predator vision uh the infrared yeah mm-hmm. now John, uh, you've been on this week. Does anyone have further notes about this particular no. minute? As I mentioned, it's just very exposition heavy. I know normally we sort of read a lot of dialogue, but that's all this minute is. Mm-hmm. It's been a complete 180 from the minutes we've seen prior. I've got nothing against it. We've now got it explained as to what kind they're doing there. Anticlimactic way to end the week, in a, in a way. Yeah, but this week has been so just climactic that i actually think it works yeah i think it works in a classic story sense right we had sort of the rising action we had the climax of wednesday and thursday and now we're in the denouement the epilogue as it were setting us up for the next big climb if there were yeah yeah, if there were no predator this would be where the movie would end right we would have been like oh that's why all that happened yeah uh, as it goes helicopter in there extract them extract them and you know what still a good action movie at this point ptsd it's great that was 80s (laughs) no one got it done oh okay you're right it's shell shock no that's uh so john there's a few things that we've talked about you know over the minutes and we don't really have a sort of recurring set of questions to ask our guests but i do know that you grew up in the schwarzenegger era if we're gonna call it that oh yeah how would you rank this movie against the other schwarzenegger movies so i i mean thinking about schwarzenegger in a 
like a lifelong career. <coughs> yeah. I think that someone from my generation, this had an impact, certainly far greater than maybe his political achievements later on, and mm -hmm. certainly more than the um, kid films that he did later in his career. So I would rank this certainly as one of my, not only, I think this is one of the best Schwarzenegger films, but... In the top 30, right? Uh, <laughs> the top 30 of his films? I would put it in the top, uh, certainly in the top of action films of the 80s. Yes. I would say it's probably in the top 10. Yeah. I don't, and... But it's hard thinking to some of his sci-fi work. Yeah. This is a, this is a straight action film run. yeah and he had some good runs in the sci-fi realm yeah. he did but um with the adaptations of some really great novels mm -hmm. but uh yeah I, i'm gonna put it in his top five movies yeah, yeah. i i've mentioned before this depending on the day this would be my favorite schwarzenegger film uh i'd say it almost never varies from total recall mm -hmm. that's great running man running man this one and Commando, as far as straight action. Now, my personal preferences tend to lie towards 70s Kung Fu and modern to last decade Hong Kong films, yeah. or even the sort of modern ones like the, the Tony Jaw, uh, The Gentleman Did the Raid, um, Ico, uh, I can't think of his name, but... Those type of movies, as I mentioned before, they're commonly referred to as action porn and that there's zero plot. It's just, right, let's right. just get straight to action. Yeah. But I've got no problem with that. I find kung fu movies and action movies to be balletic. You know, they have their right. own sort of choreography to them and their own comedy and their own way of viewing the world. And, you know, I, I tend to like those sort of thoughtless films. I guess that's probably an indictment against my cinephilia, but... No one would ever confuse me for someone who knows a lot about films. But this kind of movie, I think, is a very early example and a prime example of America's entry into that genre. Because 70s kung fu already existed, obviously, at this right. point. Of like, hey, let's just have some raw action. Right. Hard Boiled was probably around this time. I'm actually... Hard Boiled... Would that be hey, 91? Well, Does anyone know? It's post, I think. Post this, but... They're very, they're sisters in a sense, or I guess brothers if we're going to be chauvinistic about it, and that they are just action films, but they're lovely and they can still have their own art to them. Well, and that's one of the things I like about it. I mean, uh, maybe we forgot to mention the Bruce Lee films. Well, I would which count really those. Brought, which, yeah, which, which kind of brought that genre to, the, to America yeah. uh, initially. But of course, I mean, that, that separate uh, you know, uh, martial arts type thing. Um, it's a separate genre, but I think the same philosophy. Yeah, the action movie, definitely. The action movie for the sake of the action. Right. And, uh, you know, I think the, you know, there was more American versions of that with the lethal weapons and stuff like that. still right. good, but this is just, this is raw action, and I, I love it for it. And, John, I want to thank you for being in these minutes, because I think yeah, these are some of the most fun. prime examples of what just raw action looks like. And mm -hmm. as Aaron had mentioned earlier... It's basically every 80s action trope. The unlimited bullets, oh, yeah. the dance <laughs> you do when you get when shot. The, the ex of unlimited bullet, the perfect magazine usage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ability, the, the fully automatic that somehow, you know, perfectly aimed from 100 yards out. 
the good, the good guys accurate. that shoot from the hip that never miss, the yeah. bad guys that aim, aim and can't hit anything. Uh, and I guess I guess I guess Blaine the, had the infinite oh, bullets. Yeah, right? and the yeah. one liner. This is oh, this is right this week's been great. Yeah, one liners existed. You know, Dirty Harry kind of it was in this. Uh, we Terminator. He had said lines that were iconic, but at this point, this was clearly built in. Like, we are going to have them say one-liners. And every time you hear a joke about one-liners, this is, I think, if not the conception, certainly the birth, if you can imagine like that, it exists for, but now it become part of the public consciousness. Like, yes. you were now expecting it, and they were delivered. Oh, just one right after the other. I just ain't got time to bleed. Oh, uh, uh, stick around. Stick around. Oh, oh, and they all they, those all happened in these five minutes. I mean, it is just over the top, and I loved it. Yeah. So, John, unless you had anything else you want to add, any charities you want to plug, any of your own projects you want to talk about? All right. So I appreciate the participation or the allowing me to participate in this. I really want everyone to pay attention to the next couple of uh, upcoming minutes. There's going to be some really cool sensory biology stuff that was totally based on real biological systems. Yeah. And uh, well, talk about that a little. I don't. I I think that's perfectly fine. Oh, so talk about a little bit about that because yeah, right. The whole thermal sensing thing. There's lots of organisms that view visually the world in dynamics that humans aren't capable of doing, Mm -hmm. and um, everything from mantis shrimp and bees being able to view the ultraviolet spectrum to the infrared spectrum whereas we only have these receptors that work in the visual red orange yellow green blue indigo violet that roigi biv rainbow um they're organisms that have sensory capabilities that far exceed ours. No, like, right, and that's just visual, of course. And that's just visual, visual right. Some reptiles can see, like, the thermal vision and stuff, right? Um, well, not see, but they oh, can sense. sense. Yeah. And then there's see. hammerhead sharks that can do, what, magnetic? Magnetic electro- field, yeah. Well, uh, it's part of the electromagnetic spectrum, but they actually will can sense things like, uh, you know, electrons mm-hmm. that pulse through the nervous system. So Amazing. they have specialized senses like the ampullae of Lorenzini that are, you know, really specific to all the cartilaginous fishes, sharks, skates, and rays. So uh, this is really an exploration into assigning intelligence in the human sense and merging it with these sensory capabilities and seeing how a predator of that mental capacity with all these other abilities can really dominate our system it's a good point because i'm sure there are films i'm forgetting but let's call the major films that introduced the concept of alien beings prior to this Mm -hmm. uh i'm et uh close encounters right uh i'm just talking in the film world they tend to, although look different from us, we don't get any sense of how they interpret the world. Right. There was a really intentional, I think, development of the Predator that had this visceral foundation of what we know about biology. And we tend to, since we're humans, have this anthropocentric viewpoint yeah, about how we perceive the world and... We tend to put ourselves in this, you know, 
in a hierarchy of life where they were this most evolved being and that's not really how evolution works right it's a well-named film and this is the perfect example of making humans realize that they're really just a cog in the in the wheel of biology right they're just a species that falls out just like every other yeah well how how accurate do you think the statement by dylan is when he says fucking lizard (laughs) oh yeah what do you think what would you guess Judging from what you can see what in the movie, of is the I know. I know. I'm asking. That's xenobiology, but right? Yeah, yeah. I guess looking at the skin, he looks like an amphibian in the way they did sort of frog-like skin. Well, no, it does, it, it's kind of scaly do. skin. Is it water? It, it looked. Frogs. It looked but more like. But it also like, is mucusy. Yeah, that's why. Oh. You know, and that's not really a reptilian trait. That's more of an amphibious trait. So I think they did a good job of. Oh. Basically creating something. What would give them bioluminescent green blood? Hmm. There's lots of bacteria that are symbiotic with all kinds of organisms from squid to vertebrates. Yeah, we don't know it's bioluminescent. It could just be luminescent. Deep sea fishes that generate light through symbiotic relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, Luciferin is just an enzyme generated by some insects like lightning bugs. Mm -hmm. And that has nothing to do necessarily with... A symbiotic interaction yeah so they're all with there are many kinds of examples throughout the like diversity of life from protists to inverts to vertebrates that so, can create cr- that kind of thing I, I really think the predator is this beautiful creation of um, exploring and presenting a lot of these ideas in a really entertaining way oh okay the right answer was Excellent. glow sticks Glow sticks. Glow sticks. <laughs> Raves. Glow sticks for blood. I think so. It's, it's a, lot, it's a lot better than the alien, the xenomorph, mm-hmm. uh, who has concentrated acid for blood. Oh. Which, that would... Cause, well, well, alien yeah. is... I mean, if I'm going to put films into some yeah, grouping... Yeah. I mean, I think that that film did something really similar. Yes, yeah. and they are very... Same connected the fact, oh yeah oh yeah they were directly predator was post that and they were extremely influenced by that as we had talked about before they had basically said we want to have schwarzenegger fight the alien but without it being within that universe and the early designs for the predator were you know an exoskeleton type creature yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. i actually uh, if I you look at those anatomical if you look at those anatomical designs not only of the predator but of um, so predecessor movies like Alien, if you went back and looked at some of the beautiful drawings by Ernst Haeckel of the 1800s, a German naturalist, okay. the architectural designs of these fantasy creatures, right, these fictitious creatures, are all borrowed from oh, true also. and amalgams of true anatomical designs in nature. And now the, now, the, now the person that actually, from from whom the uh, alien, uh, I think Predator was designed, that was, uh, those were H.R. Geiger? Geiger? Giger. Uh, Giger. Yeah. He did the alien. Alien. I forget who did Predator. I I, okay. my, because of my narrow-minded focus, I was about to say Ralph McQuarrie, but that was Star Wars. Um, I will look it up on who did Predator, but I do know that, obviously, he has his very distinct style. Yeah. And you mentioned the sort of mucusy touch uh it's pretty interesting but i think that they do a pretty good job of 
really, you know, they took something that maybe wasn't their first choice Mm -hmm. and they worked around their natural constraints to make something that has a lot of thought into it. I think that sometimes you, you pick what you can do, or I shouldn't say what you can do, what you want to do in modern films because you can do anything, right? And I, you know, not an indictment. I love the way you, what you can do with CGI, but sometimes by forcing a restriction on people, it then made you think, okay, well then how would this work? If a creature looked like this and how's it going to get by, how's it going to go? And it forced some thoughtfulness into the constraints that were given to them, uh, that made for a pretty interesting film. I think if you were to make this movie from scratch now and they were allowed to do it and it'd been CGI, who knows? It might've been just as amazing, if not more so, but we're left with what we have, and I'm always impressed by any time they at least take some time to say, hey, let's, all right, let's sort this out. Now it looks like this. How's it going to necessarily climb up the trees? And how's it going to, what's a society going to look like? Why is it doing this? Why right. does it have motivation besides just killing? So speaking of that, why does the predator have these extra mandible-looking yeah, things? That's any, a great question. Are there any creatures in nature that hmm. have this sort of thing going on? And, and right, what would be the function? Why? Yeah. Why would you have a mouth that would open up I and mean, that sort of... we're getting ahead of, of ourselves, but we've got the biologist sure, on now, yeah. right? Sure, yeah. I'm to I mean... There are lots of organisms that have like this series of mouth parts that operate in different ways. Crustaceans are a really good example. Um, they have three separate sets of mouth parts. Yes. Um, but then we can think about some of the vertebrates as well, where we think of um, fishes like uh, sheep's head, and they have these human-like teeth, which are this really weird structure looking on a fish because they basically look like the dentition on the exterior but then they have these pharyngeal gill sets or crushing grinding things that are farther in their mouths and they're specifically used for in some parts right this external part for maybe grabbing things and you can see on the predator it has these extra set of like Mm -hmm. you know uh what look like teeth on the like the dorsal and or I should say the anterior and posterior side of its like first mouth parts. Yeah. Right. And maybe that's for grabbing things. And then these internal mouth parts have a slightly different function. It looks like when a snake dislodges its jaw or whatever. Yeah. That's what yeah. it looks like to me. Like so it's it, intentionally making its mouth wider for some sort of, e- which even, again could be part of its evolution dentition. that it doesn't use now. Even we are dentition, right? We have Teeth in the front that are very different than teeth in the back. They functionally yeah. have different roles. But does this, does this, do these extra appendages around his jaw? Do they look like they could actually be functional to grab something so that he can chew on it with his little mouth? I don't know. <laughs> mouths, mouths aren't necessarily built for chewing or, or grabbing things. Right. Yeah. Mouths are used for all kinds of things. Right. Maybe yeah. it has to do with display. Uh-oh. Maybe it has to do with. Um, communication in some other way. Okay. Maybe, so maybe it has to do with vocalization. Maybe female oh, yeah. predators don't have this. It's like a muscle. Uh, they do. Oh, sexually uh, demorphic yeah. traits. Well, I don't. We're, we've decided that the cartoons are canon, but um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe that's what he's doing when he like spreads his arms and opens his mouth. He's displaying to Schwarzenegger. He's decided he's an acceptable mate. <laughs> and, that, that's and that's what he spreads his arms and does that dance. He's like it's even like, at forty. This whole time that was his cloaca. <laughs> oh, we I'm just perceive. Yeah, that's a very see. 
That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. a very <laughs> anthropocentric <laughs> viewpoint. That's right. That we look at this thing and we're saying that's yeah. its mouth. Yeah. And, and just like any part on a human, there's no reason to suspect that because it's there that has an evolutionary purpose that makes sense now. Right. Right, just like or from our male, perspective, yeah, our male nipples so or hair or So maybe it was an aquatic like creature to begin with, and used that in its aquatic mm. environment, and then later on went on to land, as with the aquatic ape theory of you know. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> that, that <laughs> well, was the swamp ape. ape. <laughs> oh, skunk ape. That's yeah, it. Skunk ape. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to our people in Gainesville. <laughs> we would now like to be uh, sponsored by what's the Gainesville beer that makes skunk ape? Um, oh, is man. it Swamphead? Swamphead sounds right. I, yeah. yeah. We are accepting they, they sponsorships make, at this point, basically, beer. since we've alienated so many other ones. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we hopefully haven't alienated you, our listeners. <laughs> it's Friday. We realize this has gone on a little bit longer than usual. But, you know, it's party time. It's probably part of your pregame celebration. I imagine 99.9% of you have this on up loud at your house as you're quote-unquote pregaming and getting ready to go out. And we wish you the best. And we hope that you are not predators in the sexual sense, but instead in the intellectual sense. Predating knowledge, hunting it down mercilessly, and gathering it up. And in... To do so, to do so more happy effectively, hunting. yes, happy hunting. You'll need to come back next Monday after you have a very successful hunting weekend, hunting of knowledge, on the Predator. <laughs> Predator.